the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2020 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, if you haven't heard the show before, hey, welcome aboard. And the show is in a couple of parts usually, but today we're going to focus on estate planning. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, that's avoiding probate, and that's especially important in today's COVID times. And as far as elder law is concerned, we try to save assets from nursing home bills. Uh, today we have a full house, so to speak. We have, you know, I'm Mike Connors again. With this is one of the attorneys from our office, Nicole Donnelly. Welcome, Nicole. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy to be here. And my son's Michael's behind the controls. Greetings, listeners, to Ask the Lawyer. And my wife, Beth, is staying in the background. <laughs> and also, we were supposed to have, we're supposed to talk about pet adoptions and Vita Week today, so we had Otto who was here, but he's just sitting in the background right now, not doing much of anything, looking at me like, what am I saying about him? For those who are t- tuning in for the first time, Otto is our mini schnauzer. Right. So let's start. Let's start, Nicole. What what, what do we want to talk about today as far as estate planning? What What's in your mind? I have a lot on my mind. I just want to take it back to last time I was on the show. We kind of talked about estate planning in general and how it's not rocket science. Now, I believe it's not rocket science. I will say that. But for all our listeners out there, and I hear this often when I talk to the clients, I got a doctor's appointment coming up. I never hear a general doctor. I hear I have a podiatrist. I have a dentist appointment. I have an ophthalmologist appointment. And I think to myself, why are they so specific when it comes to doctors? But when it comes to lawyers, a lawyer is a lawyer. Guys, a lawyer is not a lawyer. A lawyer is like a doctor. We have specialties and you wouldn't go to a plastic surgeon to get your eyes checked. So don't go to, you know, a real estate attorney to do your estate planning. That's my thoughts. That may be your thoughts, but what question do you have out there for the audience? See, guys, he's always reeling me in when we need it. (laughs) All right. Back to business we go. So, ooh, we have a good businessman here. Mr. Connors, 
I am a businessman and I am now currently retired. While I was doing business, I was afraid of being sued. Hmm, what kind of business was he doing? Anyway, he put all his assets in his wife's name. Now he's retired. Everything's safe. He wants to know what he should do to get it all back. What should he do, Mr. Connors? Well, let's go back. When you make a comment about a business, what kind of business? Listen, you can be almost in any kind of business and be in danger of you know, being sued. You could own, a, let's say, a cab. You could own a taxi cab. You might get sued. They might try to pierce the corporate veil. Um, you could own a bar, which we talked about with more than a few people. And, you know, a lot of things happen when you own a bar. Bad things happen. Somebody gets sued. Somebody gets hurt. Um, you can have a construction company. Somebody can, you know, things can happen. There's so many things that could happen where a lot of businessmen want to put their assets, at, you know, out of their name. Now, putting it in your spouse's name is not necessarily a good idea, but we understand the the principle. But here's the thing now. Okay, we're settled now. We want to do estate planning. What are the consequences if everything, let's say, is in the wife's name, she dies without doing any planning? Well, let's say there's a house, and let's say there's a wife and two kids, and the wife dies without a will. Well, half the house goes to the husband with no will. Half the house was going to go to the two kids. And that might or might not be so bad, but if one of the kids is somebody from a prior marriage, that could be very, very difficult. And we had those questions every once in a while. Where an estranged child, or let's say a child from a prior relationship or marriage, may inherit part of the house and throw the husband out of the house and force the sale of the property. So obviously that's not too good. So at the very least, we would need a will. But part of the problem is, if, let's say you own a house in the wife's name alone, she has a will. The will has to go through probate today. And today, you know, let's say she has a will. It's properly drafted. There's nothing wrong with the will. She says, I want to leave everything to my husband. Wife dies again. The deed's in her name alone because the husband put the deed in her name alone because he was in business and he wanted to protect it. Okay, so we got to go through probate. Husband wants to move to Florida. He has an offer on the building for, let's say, $2 million, whatever it is. Um, he wants to take it. But, again, the wife died. She has two kids, one of them from a prior relationship or marriage. And one of the kids doesn't consent to the will. It could easily take two to three years to get that will through probate. And today, in COVID, it, it could take two years even if both children consented. You know, if you read the Daily News... If you've been reading the Daily News, you found out there was one judge in surrogate's court in Brooklyn who didn't sign a court order in 18 months, which means let's say you had a will, husband, wife left everything to husband, husband wanted to sell the house, it would take, well, the judge didn't sign any order in 18 months, so it could easily take more than two years for a simple husband and wife will to go through the court system. Now, hope. You know, hopefully that's not going to happen too often, and thankfully that judge has been removed. But still, you know, it's still slow going through the court system with COVID, even with the best judges. And you could be waiting, uh, you, especially if one child didn't consent to the will, you could be waiting two, three years to get a court order to sell that house. And depending on the restrictions of the court order selling the house, you may not be able to send, spend any of the money until you get through probate. So one, you don't want to die with assets in your name alone. And if you're married, relatively young and healthy, ordinarily I would say we'd make it joint. And I know may, there may be personal reasons not to for the reverse of the same thing. Let's say the 
the husband has a kid from a prior relationship who's not going to consent to a will, well, maybe you don't want to start putting assets in his name. What do we do then? We do a trust agreement ordinarily. And the trust agreement is going to say what happens. And if, let's say the house is in a trust agreement, the trust agreement say possibly it's husband and wife and possibly it's just the wife. Why would we, what would be the difference? Well, if we have joint assets between husband and wife, and in this case, let's say everything's in the wife's name. If let's say there's a, a house involved, it's worth $2 million. If husband doesn't own part of the house, he dies. The wife is going to pay capital gains tax if she sells the house on the entire gain of the house. So let's say they paid $50,000 for it 30 years ago. It's worth $2 million when the husband dies. If the wife sells the house for $2 million, all she gets is a $250,000 break because it's her personal residence. If her husband had some kind of ownership interest in the property, let's say through a trust or otherwise, if it was joint and he died, the wife would get the stepped-up basis on the $2 million, so her basis would step up to a $1 million, half of the husband's value in the property. And that means she could sell that half of the property a $1 million tax-free. If she sells within two years of her husband's passing, she gets $250,000. We're assuming now it's a personal resident. She would get $250,000 tax-free from the husband's personal residence exemption, and she would get $250,000 from her personal residence exemption, which means she would get $1.5 million plus what they paid for the house out tax-free, where if, you know, if the house was just in her name and her husband died, and if we remember Alan King, the husband always dies first, and if anybody, you know, was interesting, you may want to get on YouTube or something and get Alan King's monologue about survived by his wife because it is priceless. Um, but so, so, so that's one of the tax reasons. And, you know, bad things happen sometimes when you go through probate and some things you can't even imagine. Um, and, and we were talking about this before. You know, let's say you have an estate. You got $4 million worth of property. They're all properly taken care of in trusts or otherwise. And then... A person dies and they have assets in a safe deposit box. Well, that could be a problem because in a lot of cases we have to probate the will to get in the safe deposit box. And that might cause more work. And let's say especially if the safe deposit box only has some pieces of jewelry, it doesn't have substantial assets. We could go through probate, probating a will to get some jewelry in a safe deposit box. And meanwhile, we got $4 million, $5 million worth of real estate outside of probate, properly planned and everything, but somebody forgot about the safe deposit box. And, Nicole, I know you've seen it. I mean, there are a lot of problems with safe deposit boxes. Mr. Connors, what do you say to everybody that says, no, no, my safety deposit box is golden. I have four people on it. If something happens to me, it's 100%. They're all going to be able to go into it. We get that a lot, and I just look at them and go, oh, Okay. Explain why they won't be able to go into it, please. Well, assuming, especially if the bank where you have your safe deposit box is the same bank that receives your Social Security check, then as soon as the bank finds out that you died and the funeral director is going to tell Social Security, Social Security, in effect, is going to tell the bank they're going to stop the Social Security payments. So then the bank computer systems now, you know, will shut down all, shut the accounts that's in your, in one person's name. And unfortunately, the way safe deposit boxes work today even if you have a joint safe deposit box, the bank will freeze the box if either one of the joint tenants passes away. Um, so 
obviously that could cause a problem because sometimes you're going through court for relatively small assets or even if they're large assets we don't you know hopefully you don't have a lot of cash in the safe deposit box not that it's illegal to have cash in a safe deposit box but it's almost getting to that point and then you're going to may get audited you know if the bank seals the box you get a quarter quarter order to open it up the bank inventories the box they find a lot of cash in there which again is not illegal but at the same time you run the risk of an audit by the taxing commission whether it's new york state or whether it's the irs and why is there that much cash in the box and those of you may not know this but it's getting to the point where i firmly believe the government is going to say in the next few years the cash is illegal and you know it sounds like it's 1984 ish but it is happening and you know there were proposals that were going back and forth just a couple of months ago that every withdrawal over six hundred dollars would be reported to the IRS. Six hundred dollars in cash would be reported to the IRS. So if you're one of those people where your landlord only takes uh, your rent in cash, which there are a few people like that, well, you take a thousand dollars, let's say a very modest sum, a thousand dollars out of the bank to pay your landlord in cash then that's going to get reported to the IRS. And you say, what's the harm with that? Well, once you start getting reported to the IRS, maybe somebody busybody at the IRS is going to try to say, hey, why does this person need $1,000 a month in cash? And maybe they're going to want you. Well, I was paying my landlord. And the landlord who was trying to get away with something may not be able to because he's going to get audited because he took $1,000 a month cash from the tenant. Um, if I might chime in on that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not necessarily that the IRS is going to blanket, you know, get everyone. But the point of the the point of measures like these, to be quite frank, is so that the government is able to get anyone they necessarily want to get. The whole point is we can tra create a system where you can trap anyone on anything. And then if you are a political dissident, this goes way beyond criminals. This is really going to be applied to political dissidents in the long run if it's allowed to keep going. Yeah, because I wouldn't be surprised right now if Joe Manchin doesn't get audited by the IRS. I'm not joking. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, it depends. Depends who's pulling the triggers and who's pulling the strings. So, the IRS. I mean, they are not. They are one of the least trustworthy agencies in D.C. And that is a really hard thing to be, considering all the other agencies in <laughs> D.C. Yeah, and I, I mean, listen, I. I don't want to get personal against IRS agents because for the most part, when we're dealing with IRS agents, it's kind of like a business deal, nothing personal, and usually you can work out your differences. But you don't want the government to be to use the IRS as weaponized against certain people. And I think occasionally that happens. We know it happened four years ago when they stopped giving uh, not-for-profit IDs. They held them up because if you had the name Tea Party or Freedom or some Liberty, whatever <laughs> Liberty yeah. in your you, you didn't get your you didn't get your not for profit designation and I mean I know it sounds absurd you put the name Liberty in your not for profit and then all of a sudden you get held up on your approval and I mean we went through this a little bit with Father Paul because he wanted to put it in St Francis in Beirut and. Beirut was a red flag for different reasons because Beirut is a place where there are a lot of terrorists. So for different reasons, that was held up for a while because some banks didn't want to open up a bank account that had the word Beirut in it because there's some people that are terrorists in Beirut and 
you get you explain to him, hey, well, Father Paul's a Capuchin, you know, friar. He's I mean, the St. Francis the should give it away, but, you know, common sense ain't so common anymore. Right. And as if a terrorist group are going to use the wrong name, but maybe <laughs> they will. OK, they're not going to think, oh, why don't we call this something else? Yeah. You know, so. Um, Nicole, do you have any other questions or comments to make your time allotted right now? He's just saying that for you guys. Time allotted is just a very vague way of saying, let's have a conversation. Come on, Nicole, give me a little more. <laughs> well, I really just want to forward everything and wrap it up in a nice bow for you guys with the safety deposit box because we might have gotten lost on the IRS track, but the most heart-wrenching moment for me with a safety deposit box was mom and dad come in, 80 and 90, had two kids on their safety deposit box, and all of a sudden something happens to one of the kids and they can't get in. And they're asking and asking, but it's mine. Why can't I get in? And I'm going, uh, you know, you just can't because something happened to your daughter. And, you know, Yeah, and the reverse can that. happen too, yeah. The reverse can happen too. You know, something can happen to the child and the parent get, can't get in the box. And, you know, I don't know what the solution is right away. Because, you know, sometimes, listen, if, if there's a person out there who has, you know, relatives that are going to tear up their will or do something almost illegal or illegal in some cases, it's not a bad idea to have your will in a safe deposit box to get a court order to open it because then nobody can go in and tear it up. But at the same time, you're going to make it a lot harder on the people that you want to leave things to because they're going to have to court, get court order to get inside your box. So... I don't know if there's another safe place to keep your valuables. We'd recommend that over safe deposit box. And I know very well in some cases, safe deposit box is the only, you know, real place that's available. But I warn you again, safe boxes can be broken into and robbed. That's not as unusual as you might think. And or movies about it. Yeah, movies about it. But we really see we've yeah. really seen it happen. I know more than a few clients that have had their safe deposit boxes broken into. And, of course, sometimes in Sandy, there were some banks that were underground, where the vaults were underground, obviously, and there was flooding. And some, a lot of the papers and different documents like that were destroyed because of the flooding. So safe deposit boxes are not as safe as, as they might be. And, and one of the things you can do, you, maybe you're playing the odds and it's not foolproof, but maybe you put the safe deposit box in the children's name and you're a deputy on the box. This way, if you don't... If something happens to you, they can still close out the box. The bad side of that, if something happens to one of the kids, you're going to go through court trying to get, you know, into the box. And if one of the kids has a spouse who's not cooperative, well, it could be a problem. In any event, we're going to take a short break right now. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hey. My son, Michael. Hey, thanks for joining us. Nicole Donnelly. Always a pleasure. And saying very quiet right now, Otto von Bismarck. Ruff, ruff. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call. 
call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens? Will my assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors and Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors and Sullivan, plan now for later. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Again, we're talking about estate planning today, and with us is one of the attorneys from our office, Nicole Donnelly. You guys know me, the seasoned veteran. (laughs) All right, and my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. My wife, Beth. In the background. And Otto. (laughs) He's looking up, but he's not doing anything. (laughs) You know, he's supposed to be working today because we're going to interview Bideway, but he decided to take it off. All right. Now, Nicole, when we we had the break, you were talking about, I think, a very good point. You want to bring that up? I do. So we got a lot of scenarios that come up, and it's about gifts. People just put their kid's name on their deed. People just transfer ownerships of these accounts and say, well, I just put my kid's name on it, you know, just because – But is that really a gift if they didn't mean to gift it? Or did they mean to gift it? A lot of people don't know the answer to this. So let's see what Mr. Connors has to say. And a lot of the problems is people don't understand what they did. You know, they're not sure. Like, I just put my son's name on the deed. I didn't give it to him. Well, yeah, that's fine. And then when he dies and his wife evicts you because the deed was in his name alone, you you got a tough road to hoe. And depending on whether you get a sympathetic judge or not, you could be evicted. 
And it's very hard to evict in New York. But nonetheless, do you want to be in that situation? And, you know, putting somebody else's name on your deed is not like putting somebody else's name on a bank account. You put somebody else's name on a bank account, something goes wrong, you go to the bank, you take the money out. You put somebody else's name on the deed, something goes wrong, their name's on the deed. You can't just take it back. And people ask me, well, I didn't make a gift of my house. I didn't, I didn't give whatever it was. I didn't give half my house to my son. I just put his name on the deed. Well, guess what? You put his name on the deed, you made a gift. Now, gift taxes are usually not a problem, but I think this is a good time to go over some of the gift tax rules. Gift tax rules. You should file a gift if it's more than $15,000 in a calendar year. And by the way, that's going up January 2022. That's going up to $16,000 a year. For so Those of you involved in, in gift planning, um, it's $15,000 this year, $16,000 next year. So let's say for the sake of argument, you want to do a trust and you have two parents, two kids, and both kids are married, um, not even counting grandchildren. The husband gives $15,000 to his son, $15,000 to his daughter, $15,000 to his son-in-law, $50,000 to his daughter-in-law. And that's $60,000 he can give away today. He doesn't have to file a gift tax return. Next year, and by next year, I, I'm literally mean in a few days, he can give away 64000 not have to file a gift tax return. The wife can do the same thing. So this couple, literally over the next two weeks, can give away almost $250,000 and not have to file a gift tax return. And some people say, hey, wow, I don't have to worry. Yeah, but you got to be careful in what you're making gifts. If you make a gift of an asset, um, your children take what we call the tax basis on that. So if it's cash, that's fine. Tax basis of cash is cash, but let's say you gave some real estate in that transaction, and let's say for the sake of argument you paid fifty thousand dollars for that real estate and it's worth two million dollars or something like you just give that to your kids, maybe even under percentages or whatever that we talked about, so you don't have to file a gift tax return. Those kids sell the property, assuming they don't live in it. They may have to pay tax on the difference between let's say the fifty thousand dollars the parents paid for it and let's say the two million that it's worth. In, in part or whole. So that costs you, you know, just on a, a straight major gift, that could cost you like $600,000 in taxes. And that's a tax that can easily be avoided. How do we avoid that tax? We put the house in a trust, the building in a trust, and we hold the house till after you're gone. And then there's no, there's no capital gains taxes. And there was a lot of talk, you know, and, and if you're reading the internet and looking at the internet, which I, I hate to say it, sometimes don't, because half the articles on the on the internet are written written by kids out of law school who haven't had a job and they really don't know what they're talking about and and some of the articles are extremely good but unless you're fairly sophisticated you're not going to know the difference between an article written by a kid out of law school who doesn't know anything and a very experienced attorney who may know a lot about a lot of different things so but you have to be careful in what you're reading um so there could be negative tax consequences. You you have a stock portfolio worth $100,000. You do a plan like we just talked about. You give it to your kids. There's no gift tax. There's no negative gift tax consequences. And say, okay, so I gave $100,000 of my kids in stocks. Well, again, let's say you pay $10,000 for the stocks that are worth $100,000 today. Your kids are going to sell those stocks for hundred grand. Well, they got a $90,000 capital gain. They're going to pay $30,000 in taxes. 
So that wouldn't necessarily be the, the best plan. And you got to be careful. And some people are not thinking too clearly about what we're talking about. They say, well, they're going to get you one way or the other. Well, if you put your assets in trust and the children get the assets when you pass away, capital gains taxes are wiped out by death. What about death taxes? Right now, even in New York, there's no estate tax under, and it's as of January 1st, I'll use that number, there's not going to be an estate tax in New York as of January 1st, $6,060,000. I mean, today it's 5930000 but that's only for another week. So for the most part, and, and that's $6 million for husband, $6 million for wife. So a lot of married couples, we can get $12 million out tax-free without really being a problem of estate and gift taxes. Now, if you're over $12 million, well, then we got to do some planning. And then, you know, it's a little bit more sophisticated planning. But most middle-class families are under $12 million, and we can get $12 million out tax-free. And let me just explain this one thing. It's $6 million for husband, $6 million for wife. As far as the federal number is, it's $12 million for husband, $12 million for wife. And I'm using even numbers. But if the husband dies, the wife can take, can file a form, and her $12 million for federal purposes goes up to $24 million. You can't do that for New York State estate taxes. If you don't take advantage of the $6 million when the first of the spouse passes away, You've lost it forever. So that means we try to have, when we're talking about earlier, husband and wife and assets being divided between husband and wife or being in trust divided by husband and wife. That's the thing. Your $6 million is lost. So let's say we have a husband or let's say we've got a wife with $12 million of assets. Our husband has no assets. He dies. We've lost her husband $6 million and she's going to be taxed on her $6 million. So, um, you know, good planning when you're, when you're talking about those numbers and I know sometimes we have to give it some thought. Second marriages, different children from different relationships. Sometimes we've got to do a little bit of planning how we can best take advantage of the tax laws. But, you know, don't don't just blow it. We don't want we don't want money going to the IRS. We don't want money going to the New York State Tax Department. We want to plan it right so your kids don't have to um don't have to pay taxes if possible. But one of the things people screw up for whatever reason they want to avoid probate, which is a good idea. They want to, let's say, think they want to save on estate death taxes. And so they make gifts, and then the kid's got to pay capital gains taxes. In a lot of cases, that's worth, that's much more, especially if you're under $12 million, and we can get you out tax-free anyway. That's a lot worse than doing nothing. And in some cases, it's worse than bad and doing nothing. And I just want to mention some other thing as far as Medicaid is concerned. If you make... A substantial, you know, I said, you know, we could make 15000 a year tax-free to the children or whomever. Any one person you can give $15,000 to, 16000 next January, by next January, a week from now. You can give 16000 not file a return. That does not help for home care Medicaid or nursing home Medicaid. If you make a gift, let's say somebody makes, they got 10 grandkids and they give $16,000 to each one of their 10 grandchildren. Yes, they do not have to file a gift tax return. But... If let's say they go to a nursing home, and let's say it's husband and wife, and husband makes, or wife makes, or the combined, they make $160,000, $16,000 to each one of their 10 grandchildren, well, that's fine as far as the IRS is concerned. Let's say the husband has a stroke and he has to go to a nursing home. 
wife wants to apply for nursing home Medicaid, we're going to say, well, you just made a $160,000 gift uh, a couple of months ago. That causes a 13-month penalty for nursing home Medicaid. And, of course, pretty soon it's going to charge, it's going to incur a 13-month penalty for home care bills, for home care Medicaid. Currently, right now, there is no penalty period for home care Medicaid. But on April 1st, they may throw back the implementation date a little bit later. It might be July 1st. But there's going to be a penalty for home care Medicaid, which means if you gave away $160,000, in theory, you can't apply for home care Medicaid for close to a year after making the gift or actually from when you apply. You'd have a 13-month penalty, 12-month penalty, I think, on $160,000. And the same thing for nursing homes. So let's say you've got a husband and wife. They give these $160,000 gifts we just talked about. Um. They talk to her account, and the account says, oh, fine, you don't have to file a gift tax return on this. You're allowed to do it. Then the husband has to go to a nursing home, wants to, wife wants to apply for Medicaid. Well, then they're going to say, okay, well, you have to, you have a year penalty on a $160,000 gift. You have to wait a year before you can apply for Medicaid. And meanwhile, the nursing home bill is maybe $18,000 a month. You have to pay a year of $18,000 a month to the nursing home, and that's like, 200 grand and let's say they don't they that may have to sell stocks or sell their house or do something like that so you, you can't just make gifts willy-nilly because yes you might be able to make a gift for a nursing home not for uh i'm sorry irs purposes is personally fine but then when you're talking about medicaid whether it's home care or nursing home you may have a penalty period and let's say grandma in that case if she gave her, her and her husband gave away 160 grand Grandma, in that case, may have be stuck with a year's penalty, and she may have to pay $200,000 to the nursing home. So, you know, you, you, you're making these gifts. You should do it right, and you should not just put something else in somebody's name. And I know people say to me all the time, I didn't make a gift to my house. I put my son's name on the deed. But guess what? That's making a, a gift. And if that son dies and his wife has a claim against his estate, which means she may have a claim against your house, and she may be in a position to sell force the sale of your house. Let's say you have a deed, joint tenants, right of survivorship, mother and son, son dies. Wife didn't get too many, too much in assets from her son's estate. She puts what we call a right of election claim against his estate. He owns half the house. We'll say a, a million dollar house, $500,000. She might get $170,000. And she says, pay me my 170,000. And mom says, well, I don't have the money to pay. Okay. Well, guess what? I'm going to force the sale of your house. And, of course, you could even get into blackmail situations where the daughter-in-law in this case says, well, I know my share is worth 170000 but you're going to give me $200,000 or I'm going to bring you to court. And what's mom going to do? Is she going to pay, fight, pay a lawyer, and then pay $170,000 or just pay 200000 and get rid of them? So bad things happen when you just start putting somebody else's name on your deed. You put somebody else's name on your deed. You're making a gift, and and usually the problem is not tax consequences. Usually, but it could be as far as capital gains are concerned. When eventually the child sells those assets, it's not gift tax consequences. Again, I've never seen anybody, for the most part, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I've never seen anybody get in trouble for not filing gift tax returns. I believe you should file a gift tax return. You should follow the rules. Um, but I've never seen anybody yet get in trouble for not filing a gift tax return. And again, I'm telling you right now, I would file. 
The problem is you make gifts that you don't understand the, the tax consequences and you make a gift of, let's say, a, a million-dollar house and you're going to cost your children $300,000 in capital gains taxes that they would not otherwise have to pay. If you're going to make gifts, do it right, come up with a plan, and, and in a lot of cases you do want to keep control. You put you know, a million-dollar house in your son's name, God forbid he passes away, his wife has a claim against his estate, no matter how you word it. And, you know, you know, your son gets sued. We were talking earlier about husband and wife. Maybe husband puts everything in his wife's name in case he gets sued. Let's say the son gets sued and, and the deed is in his name and whole apart. His creditors could put a, a claim in against the state and people get sued. You're in a car accident, you know, and you get in a car accident, you hit the back of a school bus. Children are playing in the back of the bus. It's your fault. Some of the children are seriously injured. Your insurance doesn't cover everything. Those children get a judgment against your son. Those children have a judgment against your house. You can't sell a mortgage your house until that judgment is paid. So that's why you do a trust agreement. You, you delay the gift for the most part until after you pass away, and usually it goes out tax-free. Now, if somebody's worth a lot more than $12 million and they're single or they're, they have a $12 million estate you know, in, in New York State, yeah, maybe the gifts are the right thing to do. So there's no one answer. And that's the problem. You read something in an article that you can give away $16,000 a year tax-free as of January 1st to any one person. You say, hey, that sounds great. But if you give away a stock portfolio or real estate that's come up in value, then those kids have to pay capital gains taxes when they sell it, especially in, in, in real estate if they don't live in the house. And most of the time, the kids don't live in the house. Now- you have a comment on that, Nicole? You're looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm still stuck on the fact that the father and the mother-in-law gave to the daughter-in-law. I'm looking for that person. You guys come on over if you need a daughter-in-law you want to give some things to. I'm here for you. <laughs> no, now that I've picked my mouth up off the ground on that one, uh, let's talk about the people with the... Uh, $12 million estates who, you know, they do this sophisticated planning. They have these LLCs. They have these corporations. And they just put their kids on the stock certificates and they say, yeah, I made a gift. Or they have it. It's not in our taxable estate. Did they really? Well, you know, and that's one of the other things, too. You know, like some people think, well, like, let's say I'm talking about wealthy people right now. Well, it, let's say you have a corporation that's worth a million dollars. You own a building. And, and by the way, if you own a building, you're buying a building now, the better way to do it is through a limited liability company, not a corporation. But sometimes people bought buildings before they were before they were LLCs, and they bought it in the corporation, which was better than buying it outright back then for liability purposes. But, you know, they give they put the kids' names on the stock certificate, a million-dollar building, and they put the kids as half-owners on the stock certificates to the building. Well, you know, especially if it's an S corporation, the children may have had a chance of selling that building tax free. You make a gift, they're going to pay, you know, capital gains taxes. Now, and, and as far as the IRS is concerned, if they made a gift of a million dollar building, that million dollars is reduced from their estate. Now, I know a lot of people don't file, but assuming when you get audited by the IRS, and if we're talking about these numbers, $12 million or more, you could get audited. So when you get ordered, the IRS can say, oh, you made a gift 10 years ago. Where's the gift tax return? Oh, we don't have a copy of it. Well, was it really a gift? And that reduces your estate. And it really doesn't help the estate tax as much, except 
there is that one thing if you you know you have like a hundred million dollars worth of real estate and yeah you give away ten million dollars worth of real estate if that ten million becomes twenty million dollars over the years yeah you you save something because the ten million dollars in appreciation is not subject to your estate tax but at the same time that ten million dollars in appreciation is not freed from capital gains tax so yeah you might save five million in estate taxes and lose three million in capital gains and it might be might be good when you put all the numbers together but that's what the thing is you got to put the numbers together you can't make a gift that's going to save you a hundred thousand dollars and you can make a gift obviously people do it all the time you can't make a gift where you save a hundred thousand dollars on uh state taxes but lose three hundred thousand dollars on capital gains that's not the way it should be done a good plan tries to take all the, the all the possibilities into play how much are we going to save on capital gains taxes as doing it this way? How much are we going to lose on estate taxes if we play it this way? And what's the optimum you know, thing? And sometimes you throw through numbers through the computer when you're very borderline. But again, we the whole plan's got to look at the whole thing. You just don't start willy-nilly putting somebody else's name on your deed. And you know, s- s- some other people, they put income on an S corporation. They give it to their kids. The stock certificate is still in the parents' names and they give the income to their kids. Well, who owns that the stock certificate? Where was the mistake? And of course, that could be a problem, especially if one of the kids dies. And number two, what do the parents own when the parents died? And what do the kids get the stepped-up basis on? And the stepped-up basis is very important. I know some people say, well, I'm not going to sell my house. It doesn't matter. My kids are going to live in the house. And that that may be well and good, but at the same point, if it's a rental property, even if they're not going to sell the house, they lose the stepped-up basis for depreciation purposes. And let's say if you have a million-dollar house, that means they're going to lose $25,000 of tax deductions each year for about 40 years. And I'm rounding the number slightly. It's 39 years. $25,000 worth of deductions for 39 years. That's a lot of money. That's very close to a million dollars. So... If you're going to do some gifting, do it right. And, uh, you know, what I said, and Nicole makes fun of me sometimes, it's not rocket science, but at the same time, it's not that easy. I was just about to ask, Mr. Connors, you didn't describe rocket science here, but you certainly did describe a lot more than just, you know, a Joe Schmo power of attorney. <laughs> you know, and that brings another point we're talking about estate planning. We can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a power of attorney in some of these planning purposes because God forbid mom and dad has a stroke. You don't want to be frozen. You know, yeah, a property could be joint between husband and wife. Husband has a stroke. Wife wants to sell the property. She needs a court order to sell the property if the husband's, one, not competent, able to sign the deed, or two, doesn't have a power of attorney. Now, power of attorney can be very important in estate planning Let's say we're making the gifts that we were talking about earlier because let's say we've got somebody with $13 million worth of assets and you want to make some gifts to try to get us to $12 million. Well, if you don't have a power of attorney, you're not legally authorized to do it. And if you get audited by either, well, $13 million, you're not going to likely get audited by Medicaid. But if you're in a lower amount, you can. And, of course, if you get audited by the IRS, they say you didn't have the authority to make the gifts. That comes back into the estate. And again, you usually don't get audited for gifts. But again, if somebody has a $13 million estate and, you know, they've made some gifts, yes, those gifts are going to be audited. So 
got to plan things out. And if you want to come in and plan things with us at Connors and Sullivan, you can give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We do not charge for the first consultation. The initial consultation is free. Everything we do as far as estate planning, elder laws on a flat fee basis, we come in, we give you an estimate, you go from there. And again, we have offices in, in Manhattan, Queens, Staten Island, on our main base here in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. All right, we're going to take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You'll listen to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, they are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash Once again, call 
800-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Milia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer. Now, we've been talking about estate planning, and, you know, we tape these shows ahead of time. And sometimes we forget this show is going to be played, depending on where you're listening to it, either on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or possibly New Year's Eve. Right, right. So, everybody, we haven't forgotten, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, you know, our best wishes for the holiday season. And again, we do say Merry Christmas, so. Yes, Merry Christmas to everybody. And let's get out of these COVID years. Oh, my goodness. I'm yeah, tired of them. Well, put me in a bad mood and oh, no. ask me a question about the mayor's COVID rules. And oh, that. oh no. The good Dr. Fauci won't keep his mouth shut. It's, oh. not, it's not that. It's de Blasio and his rules. And, you know, if you run a business in New York, you know, I'm stuck here because my license is in New York. But, you know, it's... I hope things change with the new mayor. That's all I can say right now. I know he. It, everything he says just looks like it's going to be a whole lot better. So everybody, let's just pray for everybody that's had a tough year this year. Pray for a better year next year, and know we're all in this together. And let's pray for pray for better leaders. Oh my goodness. Well, we can't have worse right now. So now, Michael, what's Father Paul up to? Father Paul should be returning to us. What's the date exactly? Uh, the end of January. I don't think the, he gave us an exact date. I don't think he knows, really. Yeah. But um, he should be returning to us at the end of January. Of course, we're going to try to put something together for him, uh, you know, Omicron notwithstanding. Uh, but once again, St. Francis in Beirut has its legal title. And so we're able to operate fully as a nonprofit now, help him rebuild that clinic. Um, he's going through hoops, trying to work with the government over there and deal with everything. So please pray for him. Um, If you want to think about giving to St. Francis in Beirut, once again, that's, you know, a cause near and dear to our hearts. But in any event, it is the season of giving. I I think we all know that. Um, Maybe for the less fortunate among us, you'll be happy to receive this year. It's lean times for everyone. And we're just glad to have you with us. We're glad for our friends and family. We're glad to be able to have meals together. Uh, even if the government doesn't want us to sometimes. And regardless of all that, you know, we pray for all of you all the time, and we love you. Thank you for being here. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas again. Happy New Year. 
See you next year. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.